0: A new seven-part series from CBC Podcasts, available now.
1: This is a CBC Podcast.
0: I want to say also very clearly that part of the reason why we're here to make an announcement and to commit to more resources for the front lines here in the healthcare system is that we want to take care of you folks who are working in health care right now. And the Minister of Health and the rest of our team, we've sent a very clear message that we need you on the front lines and that help is coming.
1: A plea and a promise from Manitoba Premier Wab Canu as he announced 36 new beds at St. Boniface Hospital last month. It was part of the NDP's pledge to fix an overburdened and understaffed health care system. As you heard, the Premier is urging those on the front lines to stick it out. These issues are acute in nursing, with some leaving the profession and a growing number leaving the public system to work for private agencies. Jamie Manis was an emergency room nurse at the Health Sciences Centre in Winnipeg.
2: Leaving my workplace after 14 years this past June was the most difficult career decision I've ever made. What ultimately made me leave was that I recognized that I needed a change of scenery for my own mental health and well-being.
1: For Jamie, feeling unsafe on the job was one of the main reasons to leave. She'd been threatened and assaulted by patients, and the staffing shortage was also taking a toll on her.
2: When we are working short, we will often have to pull nurses into the resuscitation room, which leaves one nurse looking after seven to eight patients. And we do the most incredible and heartbreaking and challenging things in that room, Um, And then we literally come out those doors and we have maybe 20 steps before we're right back at our patient who is, you know, under the influence of drugs and trying to hurt us. Or a cancer patient who we're trying to do our best for, you know, we have to switch gears. There's no time for processing these days. And I said, and I cry at work because I'm human and because we see horrible things.
1: When Jamie left her nursing position in Winnipeg, she went to work in Grand Prairie, Alberta for a private agency is what's often called a travel nurse.
2: I think most folks would say that travel nurses are in it for the money and they don't understand the risk involved. And so travel nurses have no benefits, no sick time, uh, no union support, no banked vacation days, and no pension plan. And so the money is good, but I don't know that you would get a nurse to leave a workplace that they loved by offering more money. It's a, a complex multitude of factors. I think that pulls people into the private sector.
1: Manitoba spent 60 million dollars on private agency nurses last year and it's on course to pay more than that this year. Critics say private nurses are driving up the cost of health care in Manitoba and right across this country and robbing the public system of resources.
2: I take umbrage with the politics and divisive nature that we're hearing. Um, people in leadership who are trying to pit staff nurses against travel nurses. Travel nurses are not the enemy. And I think we should just be celebrating that anyone is showing up for work as a nurse right now, given the state of health care, whether that be a staff or travel nurse. It breaks my heart to be away from home and away from all that I love about Manitoba. And I miss my peers and my colleagues at HSC. They are an incredible team. Um and I do I do miss working alongside them and i would I would come home in a heartbeat, but stuff would have to change.
1: Jamie Manis has been working in Alberta as an agency nurse, also known as a travel nurse since August. Darlene Jackson worked as a nurse for forty years and is now president of the Man- Manitoba Nurses Association. She is here with me in Winnipeg. Darlene, good morning. Good morning. What strikes you about Jamie's decision to leave her job in Winnipeg for a private agency in a different province?
0: It's something that I've been hearing from nurses uh, for probably the last five years
1: mm.
0: is that they uh, cannot maintain uh, working in our public health care system with the staff shortages. And uh, we know that there's many, many issues with safety in our facilities that we are trying to address. And um, I, I, I have no issue with nurses going. To, I understand why they're going to. I was agency. going to say, do you,
1: do you understand why, why they're going, why they're leaving the public system?
0: I absolutely do. Uh, the workload is crushing. Uh, nurses have been mandated to overtime on a daily basis. So go in for eight hours and be there for 16. Some nurses, 24 hours. Uh, I understand why they're leaving. There's so much more control.
1: I'd read that nurses are getting something like 30 to 40 emails a day offering shifts if you're working in the private system.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's
1: a huge demand for that.
0: There is a huge demand because we have such a critical nursing shortage right now.
1: And Jamie said that it's not just about money; that it's it's in many ways also about the other parts to this. I mean, I'm sure money is a part of it, but but there's other elements to this as well, including the decreased workload.
0: I I agree, uh, and part of it is you leave a, a very secure job with with great benefits and a pension and mm. go to a position that has no benefits, no pension, no no union support. I. There has there is definitely a motive driving nurses out of the public system into the private when you're leaving a very secure um, position.
1: Explain how this works. How do private nurses work within a public system?
0: They are assigned shifts. Uh, you know the the employers contract with the the private agency. Uh, nurses um, agree to pick up shifts
1: and so, and and those are still within public hospitals, right?
0: Absolutely.
1: So uh, they're they're private nurses working within a public system and the the public hospitals are hiring not just from the public system but bringing people in from outside.
0: Absolutely. And this is something that's been ongoing for a lot of years. It was very um it was they were not well uh, you know not utilized as much in the past mostly for really remote or hard to recruit to areas, but now we're seeing agency nurses everywhere. Prince Edward Island never had an agency nurse in their province until um, about 18 months ago, and now they are a regular occurrence.
1: You have called the use of these nurses in relation to the cost, and we'll get to that in a moment, the word that you used was unconscionable. Why do you say that?
0: Because I believe the agencies are absolutely um, they are They are utilizing this nursing shortage to make massive profits, so I know for a fact I have a friend who uh, had applied to an agency, got an email offering her one hundred and thirty dollars an hour uh, to go work in a facility in um, Alberta and not a, a rural or remote facility in a city hundred and thirty dollars an hour and I, I i I think it's unconscionable that these uh, agencies are making a huge profit on the uh, because we're in a critical nursing shortage.
1: That's still being paid by the public system, right?
0: Absolutely, those monies are coming right out of the public pocket and out of the public system, and it's. Um, I mean, I, I don't know a nurse in the public system that's making one hundred and thirty dollars an hour. I, I I can't even believe that we are uh, that we are continuing to do this.
1: Well, just I guess the last point on on, on this is why why would the public system be willing to pay that? through private agencies, but not pay it directly through the nurses that are going to be working there anyway within the public system?
0: That's a great question. And, and you know, that's one of, one of my issues is pour that money back into the public system, bring those nurses back into the public system and retain every nurse we have. It's, I think it's so important that our public health system is robust and well-funded. And it is just, I feel as if it's just eroding daily.
1: What does it mean for the patients? If you are one of those patients who, I mean, nurses are the backbone of the system in many ways, um, and, and you have nurses that are, are rotating through because they're, as Jamie was describing, you're working with one patient, then you move you know, a few steps down, you're working with a different patient. What's the impact of that on, on those of us who are receiving the care?
0: I think that there's um, a decrease in continuity of care. What does um, that mean? Well, r- Let's say you work in a long-term care facility and you work a full-time position. Those residents see you day in and day out. They become very familiar with them. You're very familiar with their, their habits and their patterns. When you are working as an agency nurse, those you may only work a shift or two uh, in that facility and then move on and never you know never go back to that facility so continuity of care is so important when you are when you are carrying on care day after day and i, I mean I, an example is when my mom was in the hospital um, every day I went to see her there was uh, a different nurse there. And I thought, my goodness, they have a lot of, of casual nurses. They were agency nurses, one shift at a time. So every day I had to go in and orientate them to what my mom's needs were, what her preferences were, how she, how she would react to different situations. I felt like I was continuously orientating a nurse to provide care to my mom.
1: What is it going to take? I mean, is this just about money? Is that what it's going to take to keep those nurses within the public system or to 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 lure them back? Jamie says it's about more than money.
0: It is about more than money. It's about safety in the workplace. It's about uh, having a workload that's sustainable. It's about a nurse being able to provide the care that we know we should be providing and that our patients deserve.
1: But ultimately, that's about money, right? You're going to need more people on the ground so that the workload isn't isn't going to drive nurses to that point of burnout where they would leave.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. We need to do something to bring nurses back from the agencies into the public system and we really need to bolster our our funding to to um, the public system.
1: What do you say to nurses like Jamie? who are deciding to go to private agencies. We speak with nurses all the time, and one of the things that uniformly they tell us, no matter where they happen to be working, is how exhausted they are, how the last several years in particular have driven them to the point in which they don't know whether they want to stay in this profession. And if they do, something like this might be really attractive. So what do you say to those nurses whose heads might be turned by an option like this?
0: I I understand exactly how they're feeling. They are burnt out, they're exhausted, and they're looking for some type of work-life balance that allows them to maintain good mental health. I understand that. The problem is is that every nurse that leaves the public system to go to a private agency depletes our public system and leaves us even shorter, which means workloads grow. It's um, it's a real domino effect, Mm. and I believe retention of nurses in the system and bringing those agency nurses back Back into our public health care system is the only answer.
1: So we're going to speak tomorrow as part of our show tomorrow night here in Winnipeg with the Premier, Wab Canoe. What would you say to him?
0: I, need, uh, we, uh, I, I would say to him, we need to look at retention. We need to ensure that nurses have a safe place to work, that nurses have a reasonable workload, and that we need to be providing uh, the mental health supports for them to actually stay in the system long oh. enough to keep us going.
1: Do you think he's listening?
0: I think he's listening. I do.
1: We'll find out. I'm really glad to talk to you about this, Darlene. Thank you very much. Thank you. Darlene Jackson is the president of the Manitoba Nurses Union.
0: Hello, I'm Jess Milton. For 15 years, I produced The Vinyl Café with the late, great Stuart McLean. Every week, more than 2 million people tuned in to hear funny, fictional, feel-good stories about Dave and his family. We're excited to welcome you back to the warm and welcoming world of The Vinyl Café with our new podcast, Backstage at The Vinyl Café. Each week, we'll share two hilarious stories by Stuart. And for the first time ever, I'll tell you what it was like behind the scenes. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Ivy Borjo is a professor at the University of Ottawa, leads the Canadian Health Workforce Network, co-author of a 2022 report called Sustaining Nursing in Canada. She's in our Ottawa studio. Ivy, good morning to you.
3: Good morning, Mike.
1: Give us a sense, we heard from Darlene how this is playing out in Manitoba. Give us a sense as to how frequently these travel nurses, agency nurses are being used across the country.
3: Yeah, this is not just a made-in-Manitoba situation. This is happening all across Canada. And um, so there's uh, a frustrated, burnt-out workforce. Many of them are leaving, as your uh, first interviewee mentioned. And it is happening in every single province and in territories.
1: Do you understand why they're leaving?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a very um, exhausted Uh, abused and frustrated workforce. And if they don't see light at the end of the tunnel, it's really hard to say to them to stick it
2: out.
1: The Auditor General in Ontario recently described a situation in that province where a northern Ontario hospital bought property to house this rotating cast of traveling healthcare workers It was paying for property taxes, internet, furniture, lawn care, snow blowing so that they could get in and out of the house that cut into the hospital budget. There was another hospital that said it was like running a de facto travel agency for out of town nurses. How did we get to this point where private agencies in Darlene's language are bleeding a public resource?
3: Well, these are very sort of downstream solutions. And as you mentioned, a lot of money is being spent. And is this the best place to spend the money? Is this the best way? You know, as Darlene mentioned, I mean, if money was put into retention, which was the number one... A recommendation that came out of our report retaining the nurses that you have, returning nurses that have left the system either to agencies or have left to work someplace else, and then strategically recruit what we called a triple R set of solutions to react to the crisis. But you really do need to have a multi layered plan, and there needs to be a plan because otherwise, you're always playing catch up.
1: How much is this costing the taxpayer? Again, when Darlene is saying that people are being offered what close to $150 an hour and that there are no nurses within the public sector that are being offered that, what's the cost to the taxpayer? Because that money is coming out of the public purse no matter how people are working, where people are working.
3: Absolutely. And the public needs to ask, is this the best return on my investment? Is the best return for money to go into housing, to go into all of these other services, as you described, and not into the care that is being provided to me and other members of the public actually in the front line at the hospitals? So it really is a return on investment question that we now have.
1: The Canadian Federation of Nurses Unions said that private agency nurse salaries need to be capped And that agency nurses ultimately have to be phased out. How realistic is that when you hear how reliant some provinces are on these travel nurses?
3: Well, I think we need a set of strategic targets to shift away from agency nurses. I think a set of stepwise regulations of the agencies and how much they're being used, um, how much uh, how much is being spent actually on the nurses uh, or other um, agency staff, because this isn't just happening in nursing. There are physician assistants and other types of staff that are being um, recruited through these agencies. So I think some form of regulations are in order because this becomes an insidious form of privatization and again not a good return on the investment of the public in the health system that we need.
1: I'm going to come back to that what you just said at the end but you can't you can't phase this out, right? Given th- how reliant the healthcare system is now in some jurisdictions on these private agency nurses? You can't, you can't phase that out now, can you?
3: I I strongly believe that you can, and we must because we can't continue down this road. It is not sustainable. What
1: it, and you, you called it an insidious form of privatization.
3: Yes, because as Darlene was mentioning, um, in some of the statistics that we can find, and this is, this is an area where we have very little research and very little knowledge of what's happening, it's really coming out through these media reports, we don't know um, how much money is actually going to the agency versus the nurse and for all of these other things. So there, there is money being um, being uh, sort of had from the, uh, from the agency. So that's the insidious form of privatization.
1: I guess I'm still just trying to wrap my head around why if we, we broadly are paying this money, why, why isn't that money just going to the nurses themselves? If one of the things they're worried about is salary, but also burnout, but you're having to pay more to a private agency to staff up at the same levels, why not just pay that money directly through the, the public system and, and, and cut the agency out of it?
3: I think that's an excellent question. And Is there an what,
1: answer to that?
3: Well, I think that we need to have a crucial conversation and bring those conversations to a transparent public audience in terms of like, how is this happening? Why is the money being spent there? What might be some other solutions that are a better return on investment to keep our staff in the public system for public good?
1: And so what would those solutions be? Part of this is about salary and you pay people more money. But to Darlene's point... If nurses feel threatened, if they feel unsafe, but they also just, the work is too much. They don't want to do the work because they're exhausted. The last few years have taken them to the brink and then beyond. What do we do about that?
3: Absolutely that's part of the crucial conversation is to say what are the package of policies the package of solutions that are going to keep you here some of that needs to be a hard question you know a hard discussion in regards to the violence that nurses are experiences the lack of safety in terms of the kind of quality of care they are able to provide based on a certain workload and listen we're going to have to have that serious conversation about better management we can't just See this bleeding of the system of staff going into private agencies or going elsewhere um, to do other type of work. We we have to sort of have that um, that broader conversation of a set of solutions to to bring to bear to this problem.
1: So, understanding that this is an issue, have you seen any progress from from governments to kind of move this along?
3: I I think that there have been um, some solutions. Um, I don't. I would not say that I've seen a sort of package, uh, like a really coordinated, concentrated package of solutions that we really need uh, to see because this is a multi-layered problem, right? You have issues of nurses that are early career. There's a different set of solutions to keep them within the system. There are a different set of solutions for mid career, late career nurses. How is it that we keep, you know, really experienced nurses within the system? So it's going to have a different set of solutions. And how is it that we keep late nurses in by maybe mentoring early career nurses? These are some of the solutions. Um, that we that we highlighted in our report.
1: But point being, I mean, it doesn't matter where somebody is in a career, if they can work elsewhere for more money and less work, you can understand why they might. I mean, there is people talk about nursing being a calling um, and working in a a public sector, helping people um, might be part of that calling. But you can understand the lure elsewhere.
3: Absolutely. And I don't think that we should rely on only the goodwill of nurses in this calling and having asked them to stick it out in a situation that's really untenable. We really have to support them. And this is, again, not just happening to nursing. This is happening to a range of health workers in the system. And the more that we see that this is, you know, nurses are, are a bit of the canary in the coal mine, that we really need to to come together to have some solutions. We can't just have this stopgap measure because the cost is too high and those investments can become brought back into the system to help sustain the nurses who, and mm. nurses and all health workers who are in the public system.
1: We'll be talking about what else is happening in that coal mine. In the meantime, Ivy, thank you very much. Thank you. Ivy Borjo is a University of Ottawa professor and leader of uh, the Pan-Canadian Human Resources Network when it comes to healthcare.